The Bigger Picture, only on Money FM 89.3. I'm Sean Cheong. This is the Bigger Picture and Front and Centre today. We are talking about data points. We've had several this week, including US CPI, Singapore's GDP. So what does it mean for markets and most importantly, for our money? On the line, we have Vasu Menon, the Executive Director of Investment Strategy, OCBC Bank. And he's joining us for this conversation. Thank you for having me on the show. Hey, no worries. Okay, let's uh, get to it. So the main economic narrative for 2023 so far has been focused on reduced interest rates. Much of the rally of the last two months has been predicated on sentiment and that the pricing of a soft landing condition that is going to be likely. But then again, in the last weeks, we heard, hey, hang on, maybe it's not as likely. So how much of an impact does this sequence of events have going forward? Well, this has been an ongoing saga the way I see it. I mean, uh, the soft landing is what the markets were expecting uh, in the last few months. But the narrative, narrative, as you said, has changed slightly. The markets uh, are now uh, imputing the possibility of a recession especially if the Fed doesn't cut rates soon enough. But the good news is this. You've got three scenarios. You've got a soft landing scenario, you've got a hard landing scenario, and you've got a mild recession scenario. These are three potential scenarios. Now, even if there's no soft landing, as long as you don't get a hard landing, and it turns out to be a mild recession, I think that's perfectly fine in the markets. Uh, a mild recession meaning a technical recession, two quarters of negative growth, and then we get on with business. That's our view. Our view is that the U.S. will probably slip into a mild recession in the second half of this year. But we're not concerned because we think that a mild recession is fine. I mean, uh, the markets will get by it. The markets will not be too spooked by it. But if the U.S. economy falls off the cliff, I think that's something they will spook the markets. And right now, the good news is that while we have moved slightly from the soft landing narrative towards the potential recession narrative, the good news is that we've not swung all the way to the outside the pendulum where we are actually expecting a hard landing. So, you know, I think uh, given what's happened with the U.S. economy so far, given the strong household and corporate balance sheet, markets appear to be thinking that even if there's a recession, it will not be a significant one. Much has been made out of Chair Powell's comments last week about interest rates and so on and hikes. There's a saying that goes, don't mess with success. So why would the Fed now want to make these sort of comments at this point after this remarkable run to the upside and what is generally seen as a strong US economy? Yeah, the, the, the Fed's main objective at this juncture anyway uh, is really inflation. The Fed has two mandates. One is maximize, unemploy- uh, maximize employment and stable prices. You know, and as far as the employment situation in the US is concerned, the economy is uh, showing a lot of strength, as you said. The unemployment rate is now at a uh, more than 50-year low. So, you know, the job market is relatively tight. And that's something that worries the Fed because it does, you know, filter back into services inflation, which proved to be sticky uh, when the CPI numbers were released uh, a couple of days ago. So the Fed is concerned about inflation. Inflation has come down, no doubt. But I think the Fed is hoping for more broad-based decline in inflation, not just a decline in goods inflation, but also a decline in other segments of the, the, the economy in terms of inflation. And so the Fed wants to keep its options open. And the Fed wants to tell the markets that you've gone overboard, expecting seven rate hikes, uh, rate cuts at the beginning of the year. And I think the good news is that the Fed rhetoric, uh, including what Jerome Powell has said, has pulled the markets back a little bit. And now the markets are expecting three to four rate cuts by the end of this year compared to seven uh, at the start of the year. And I think so in that sense, the Fed has achieved its objective. It doesn't want the markets to uh, get carried away. And so it has uh, communicated its intentions and uh, pulled in expectations. So you mentioned CPI. Let's look at that strictly from a market movement point of view. Can we consider this to be cause and effect? You know, cause, you know, the CPI comes in hotter and the effect is that stocks go down. So 
Markets go down as well because of the implication that rate cuts are getting pushed later. How much more tolerance is there for this sort of scenario to play out that the idea of rate cuts is going to happen, but hey, it's just going to be pushed down much later down the road? Uh, well, I think the markets are slowly recalibrating to that. They're coming to terms with the fact that the rate cut will not take place as early as much. It's way too soon. Jerome Powell was clear about that at the end of uh, January when the Fed had its last meeting. So the markets have slowly come to terms with that. You're seeing that uh, readjustment, uh, realignment expectations. And yes, the CPI numbers came in stronger than expected. That caused Wall Street to fall on the day it came out. But look at how Wall Street has rebounded the day after. So I think one data point doesn't tell the story. The Fed is going to look for a series of data points over the coming months before it makes a decision. And we think that, you know, the latest CPI numbers will not derail the Fed from cutting rates in June. We still hold the view that rates will be cut in June. And I think the good news is that even if it doesn't cut as much as the market has expected at the beginning of the year, as long as they do, you know, two to three rate cuts this year and then continue with the rate cuts in 24, sorry, in 25 and 26 over the next three years, I think it's going to be good news for, for markets. But of course, markets will not go up in a straight line. As the inflation data comes out, there are some hits and misses and you'll see volatility. But over the, the medium term trend over the next two to three years, the declining rates, which I think is uh, intact, is uh, good news for equity markets. So you mentioned the rebound at yesterday's market performance. This is, of course, continuing the unabated push we've seen to the upside. Can we attribute this sort of movement as, you know, in, technically speaking, a consolidation and breakup patterns just taking control of the market? Or is there really a very complex macro story here that we are missing? Well, no complex macro story. I mean, what you're seeing right now is uh, some degree of volatility as the markets recalibrate expectations about rate cuts, recalibrate expectations about the economy, overlaying all that with geopolitical concerns, developments in the Red Sea, U.S. elections, and so on and so forth. You know, so this year, we think it's going to be a relatively good year for the stock markets. Uh, the markets probably end uh, the year on a higher note compared to the end of last year. But the journey till the end of the year is going to be a fairly volatile one because we've got data releases, we've got Fed rhetoric, we've got earnings, we've got you know geopolitical developments. All that is going to create some degree of volatility in the markets. You'll see breakouts, as you highlighted, and at the same time, consolidation. So this is going to be the story, I think, for the next nine, ten months or so. And investors have to accept that you know this is what's going to play out in the, the coming months. All right, you mentioned good. So let's take a look at Singapore specifically. Generally, good. When you look at the GDP that's just come out and when you put it all together with the recent CPI numbers, the higher medium household income, it's just something to be excited about across the board. So it would suggest that the economy is well, recession is off the cut. So let's just take a contrarian view here for the moment. Is there anything that could perhaps challenge this good narrative that Singapore has seen as we go deeper into 2024? Without a doubt, because, you know, I mean, let's be frank. Uh, we are a small island. we are an open economy. We are driven by what happens around the world. Things around the world are still in a state of flux, uncertain where the U.S. economy is headed. As we talked about earlier, it could slip into a recession. Europe as well and uh, the U.K. And, and the latest uh, figures from Japan shows that it's uh, slipped into a recession. So I think what happens around the world will have an impact on Singapore. Of course, geopolitical developments as well, uh, developments in the Red Sea, which could cause supply disruptions, uh, you know, hurt the Singapore economy. So... Lots of things can happen uh, on the macro global front that will impact us. And I think, you know, while the numbers that we've gotten out of Singapore's economy so far has been quite positive, reasons to be optimistic, but I think at the same time, one should be cognizant of the headwinds, especially on the, on the global front. Okay, so speaking of global front, Yes, there have been many elections this year. I mean, we have to take a look at that. We've had Taiwan just had one, Indonesia just concluded one. Of course, the big one in November in the United States. 
what sort of impact do Singapore could these big elections pose? I mean, especially in the US, either way. Well, it's going to create uh, quite a bit of volatility. You know, again, what happens in uh, the region in terms of elections, especially what happens in the US, has undoubtedly got an impact on Singapore, especially if the outcome of the elections has an impact on economic and geopolitical policy. So I think the big concern that, you know, the markets have right now is whether the U.S. elections will result in a Trump victory, a Trump 2.0. Now, if Trump comes back into power, then, you know, it creates a black swan event because it creates uncertainty as to what he will do. Uh, the markets are worried that, uh, you know, he could impose tariffs on U.S. goods entering, tariffs on goods entering the U.S., significant tariffs on China. He could even cut uh, taxes in the U.S. At the, at the time when the budget deficit in the U.S. is very high and as a result cause Treasury yields to, to increase quite significantly. So quite a bit could play out, especially if Trump ends up being the president. So I think the markets are keeping a very close eye on what happens in the U.S. elections. And uh, right now, Trump is clearly in the lead in the Republican race. The question is whether he'll be able to maintain that lead and uh, run to the finish line uh, in November. And so the markets are watching with bated breath because what happens in the U.S. in terms of the economic policy will undoubtedly impact what happens here in Singapore. Final word from you, Vasu. That's Look at Singapore economy and you know, it's been good all around, data-wise at least. Can we also have this uh, upbeat sort of outlook for Singapore equities looking at what we are right now? Well, you know, we are uh, overweight on Singapore equities in our uh, equity portfolio. Uh, we think that, you know, the market offers uh, potential. Uh, valuations are very low. I mean, both in terms of price to earnings and price to book. Dividend yields are clearly superior compared to what you have from regional markets. Uh, you know, and so Singapore is typically seen as a defensive market in times of uh, global uncertainty. I mean, the stock market, that is. And so we think that, you know, uh, there's upside. There's upside potential. The Singapore market has clearly underperformed many other markets, including the U.S. stock market. And so, uh, you know, you could see rotational play taking place. Uh, market, uh, investors looking for value, looking for undervalued plays, uh, underperformers. And, you know, so we, on that basis, we think that, you know, Singapore could play catch up and so we remain positive on the outlook for the Singapore equity market over the next 12 to 18 months. Alright, thank you very much for breaking all this down for us, Vasu. Thank you very much for having me on the show, Sean. We've been speaking with Vasu Menon, the Executive Director of Investment Strategy at OCBC Bank. This has been The Bigger Picture on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg.